Hello and welcome to another episode of Consumer, the European podcast of the Consumer Choice Center. As always, I'm your host, Bill Words, with Billy Joel's pressure fading out in the background. This is episode 69 of April 14, 2022. Welcome back to the Consumer Podcast. Thank you for subscribing wherever you're listening to this podcast right now and rating wherever it is possible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever is available to you. As always, if you want to support this podcast financially, you can do so on consumerchoicecenter.org slash donate or on your podcasting 2.0 platform with cryptocurrencies. In this episode, my guest is Sasha Benamou. He's a public affairs consultant at Comstrat in Paris. And we talked about the first round of the French presidential election. What does it mean for France? What is the image associated with France in this election? What is the potential of Marine Le Pen actually becoming president? And uh, what are we expecting for April 24th when France holds the runoff vote? Also in this episode, the European Council is discussing the potential of having an embargo on Russian oil, gas and coal, which will have significant impact on the European economies. And so the considerations there do vary. And also Spain might import sunflower oil from Brazil as imports from Ukraine are missing. So let's get started. The big conversation in the European Council right now is should Russian uh, energy imports be put under sanctions? This is a conversation that has reached all the way to the U.S. and the different considerations that um, are being are being brought up in the European Council. Here's MSNBC. Support is building within the European Union for cutting ties with Russian energy. The French government announced yesterday it would support an embargo on Russian oil and coal. French President Macron also hinted yesterday other EU countries, including Germany, may do so as well. This would mark a major shift for the German economy, which is heavily reliant on Russian energy. Economists say such a move by Germany could trigger a major recession there. And Caddy Kay, I'll go to you with that. This, there will be a cost uh, at, at this point, and... Some may argue, especially these world leaders at this point, that the cost is, is, is worth it. Yeah, I mean, it looks like you've actually got splits within the German coalition government. You've got the defense minister suggesting that it's time to have some kind of embargo on Russian energy. And the finance minister saying, well, hold on a second, we can't actually do that because it would crash the German economy. So we're hearing those divisions play out quite publicly in Germany in response to what has been seen in Bucha, but a realization that... They have to try to do something because German public opinion wants them to do something. Mm. When Zelensky criticizes directly members of the German government for being, by name, for being too close to President Putin, he's doing it deliberately. He's doing it, he do, maybe he's going to irritate the German government, that doesn't really matter to him that much. He's doing it to spoke, stoke German public opinion and it seems to be working. So there's now pressure in Germany on the government to try and do something. What it looks like they might do is try to separate out the different components of Russian energy. So oil, divide up oil, gas and coal and do something perhaps about oil and coal on which they're a bit less dependent but keep those gas mm. flows going. But a lot of money, a lot of European money going to Russia to fund the Russian war effort in Ukraine and that's becoming intolerable as we watch the pictures coming out of Bucha and it's certainly enabling President Putin to carry out these atrocities. Uh, can you talk about the so now where exactly are we in this conversation? 
um, what are the different thoughts that are going around, according to Politico. Irish Foreign Minister Simon Coveney says, quote, the European Union is spending hundreds of millions of euros on importing oil from Russia that is certainly contributing to financing this war. We need to cut off that financing. The sooner that can happen, the better, end of quote. Uh, Dutch and Lithuanian counterparts have always also said that they are looking for different ways. And you know that uh, in last week's episode, we talked to Ritis Valunas, um, who is uh, in charge of running LNG terminals in Lithuania, LNG uh, being liquefied natural gas and Lithuania already able to shift their natural gas use to LNG and actually be energy independent from Russia. Of course, other countries do not have that privilege. And yet, EU foreign policy chief Joseph Borrell has said that an EU oil embargo must happen sooner rather than later. What you also heard in the MSNBC clip is that there seems to be the attempt to um, divide up the different sanctions. So you would have uh, differences between uh, sanctions on uh, coal, oil and natural gas. And this is probably because Germany doesn't want to go down the road of natural gas just yet because it cannot afford it. But also overall energy dependence. Uh, is uh, is problematic. Uh, Germany, by the way, just introduced the nine euro public transport ticket, an offer being uh, offered for three months. So that is uh, nine euros for the for the whole month, and that will cost Germany about two point five billion euros. It's a measure supposed to um, counter the effects of high energy prices that are, are already existing, but of course sanctions would aggravate that. There again, you see that Germany has not really made efforts to find alternatives, uh, but also uh, increasing calls for the United States to do more when it comes to energy exports, allowing more countries to buy liquefied natural gas, uh, oil, um, but also all types of other energy sources that, that might be necessary. Uranium is also coming from the United States. But of course, for that, you need the nuclear power plants to actually power it. I'm also curious what you think. If you think there should be sanctions introduced, I would love to hear your thoughts and your considerations. You can email me on bill at consumerchoicecenter.org or, of course, comment um, under any of the posts of, uh, on our Facebook page, Consumer Choice Center. And then let's talk briefly about Spain uh, trying to replace Ukraine sunflower oil. Uh, it's um, uh, having difficulties getting the imports right now as the country is at war. Spanish Agriculture Minister Luis Planas, um, he said that uh, Spain imported half a million tons of Ukrainian sunflower oil every year, which means we now have to find ways to fill that hole, imports and logically by cultivating sunflower ourselves, he says uh, in, in a quote. Um, he also says that there's a lot of potential. In Spain, we have 21.5 million hectares of arable land, out of which about 10% are fallow land meaning that we have almost 2 million hectares that we can dedicate to the production of cereal and oil seeds. Um, you see that European agriculture will indeed increase in size, uh, unlike what we were hearing in terms of what the reforms that are being necessary to be made. So it's interesting to see that while certain member states are still talking about implementing a measure such as farm to fork, which would reduce overall farmland use, we are still talking about increasing uh, farmland for different products that we can't uh, uh, currently get out of Russia or Ukraine. Brazil seems to then be the backup, um, um, but also the United States seems to be a backup for sunflower oil. I've already noticed it uh, in, in the Netherlands. Uh, it is currently difficult to get your hands on sunflower oil uh, in supermarkets, and uh, the reason for that is the war in Ukraine. This is sort of the early symptom of what we, what we see as a result in terms of trade when it comes to this war, but I think there will be more to come, and, and I think the the petrol prices on the fuel pump are just 
one of them uh, but i think food will very much be the topic uh, in this year but now let's move to the interview of this week. My guest is Sasha Benamou. He's a public affairs consultant at Comstrat in Paris. We talked about the French election, first round of the French election. And so, yeah, take it away. All right. So Sasha Benamou is joining us today on the Consumer Podcast to talk about the French elections. All of Europe is looking on France. It was uh, It's a bit of a flashback. We're back in 2017. Um, Marine Le Pen running again against, uh, against Emmanuel Macron. Is this going to be exactly the same are you surprised that we are in the situation once again i'm not really surprised because both uh, emmanuel macron and marine le pen construct this uh, new battle for, for for the future i mean in 2017 the socialist party uh, collapsed the the right wing was weak and because he he, he built a, a big movement in the center he forced the left and the right to radicalize. And so he, he strengthened uh, Jean-Luc Mélenchon for the far left and uh, Marine Le Pen for the far right. Since France is mostly center-right, right-wing, uh, it's not really surprising that uh, the, this year it's um, Emmanuel Macron and Marine Le Pen. So this is something interesting that you said. We also saw that Valérie Pécresse only, not even reached the the five percent uh, mark. Um, it, this analysis that Emmanuel Macron has destroyed the, the the Socialist Party, but now also the Republican Party, is that the correct analysis, or could you say that these two political parties have sort of organized this themselves? It's their own problems. I think the the right wing, so the party called Les Républicains. They never try to have a, to to write a new story, to write a, a new new ideology or a new program. And uh, for five years, they, they were balanced between uh, going to the center or to far right. And uh, because they, they they never choose, they they, they are not a, a very concrete offer for uh, for the citizens now. Um, you know. Usually in France, we say uh, in the first round of the election, uh, the citizens choose and in the, in the second, they eliminate. Uh, but I think this year, uh, they, it, it was otherwise. They, they eliminate the candidate, uh, the useless candidate, uh, <laughs> I would say. And um, now they, 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 they must choose. Um, I think they eliminated because um, in the far left, in the far right, uh, strong mobilization to, to eliminate Macron. And uh, because of this, in the, all the, the center left and right, uh, they had to, to, to support Macron. And that, that's why finally uh, Valérie Pécresse is, uh, so, was so weak on, on the first round, because all, all the, the, the people who could have vote, voted for, uh, finally, they, they voted uh, uh, for Eric Zemmour or uh, Emmanuel Macron. So th this is this is interesting, but of course, the, it's not just the people in the center who will now be needed uh, for, for Emmanuel Macron to win in the second round. He also needs votes on the left and also on the far left if he wants to win. Um, now, of course, 
this is a different year than 2017. Emmanuel Macron is not a new candidate. We went through COVID. We went through um, uh, the, the 2018 Gilets Jaunes, the, the Yellow Vests. Um, Libération has uh, in the past had these headlines, the, the French newspaper, in which they say that uh, they, they quote these people who say, we don't want to do barrage, we don't want to support the moderate candidate anymore, we don't want to be the useful people. Is it going to be really difficult for Emmanuel Macron to convince left-wing people to vote for him this time? The far left is very divided on, on, on this matter because... Um, a part of them, they they just see the um, the social social issue issue, and uh, today the the program of Marine Le Pen in uh, on on the economics is more something you can find in le left parties. Um, so some people are, are convinced that they 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 were uh, they will be better protected with Marine Le Pen, but there is a other people uh, who are really angry and um, disappointed by the the result of uh, Sunday, for now they say they, they 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 won't vote at all. But I think those people they 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 have now five, um, fifteen days to to think about it and uh, to really. Um, think about what, what uh, Marine Le Pen as a president will, will be. Now, that is, that, is the, that is the question. What would Marine Le Pen as a president actually be? We saw Eric Zemmour, who only got uh, 7%, but who was considered to sort of the, the even more far-right uh, uh, candidate. And by comparison, she looked like more of a moderate uh, um, um, candidate compared to Eric Zemmour. Is Marine Le Pen the exact same candidate that she was five years ago? Has she changed some of her positions? We can't really know if it changed deeply in her heart, but uh, she she changed the way she communicates. She she softened, but I, I, even if in, in France, you know, uh, the the election, uh, presidential election uh, make things that um, everything is about the, the president, and that's what we are used to to say about France and, and what we say in France. But uh, finally, he. he, he does not really uh, rule uh, alone. I mean, he can decide and give the the the, the final decision. But uh, you know, he, he has he, he need allies. He need uh, support. He need uh, talented people around him. So it's not only but in in the ministers and, and everything. So it's not only about Marine Le Pen or Emmanuel Macron, but all the people around them. And maybe we could think maybe, yes, Marine Le Pen, uh, she's softer than before, and uh, maybe it's not so terrible, but um, we, we should think about everything and everybody around, around her. And uh, the, the very, very far right people who supported uh, Eric Zemmour, now they, 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 they will come back if she's elected. So. I, I don't think it's very relevant to think about if she's softer than before or not. That is very interesting. Yeah, um, uh, candidates are a package deal. Um, there is, there's, there's, there's a lot of people that come with it with the with the team. That's absolutely right. Now, explain something to our audience that I think most people are a bit curious about France, and that is the participation uh, rate in the election. It's even lower. 
um, than it was was last time. It's not historically low, but it is fairly low. The participation rate, I think, it's about it's about seventy seventy uh, percent, a bit more than seventy percent uh, participation in the election of those who can vote. The election system that I've seen and and the way that France operates with how it is to vote is fairly easy. Going to the election booth, there's no long lines. You don't need to wait very long. It's quite easy to vote. And yet a lot of French people don't vote. Is this, is it laziness? Is it disillusion with the French political system? Do they not trust it? Um, Why is it that once again, not that many people um, compared to previous years went to vote in this presidential election? Mostly it's people who think that uh, it won't change anything for, for them. There is some people. It's uh, something they they really have thought. Like uh, for uh, they they thought about if, if, whether they, they they will vote or not. And uh, their conclusion is that that doesn't change anything. But there is also people uh, well not really uh, informed uh, about what is happening in France. What's the political and uh, institution are so they are just not in, in interested and uh, this is uh, mostly the the youth yeah convincing young people to vote i think is 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 a problem in many countries now there is of course the and, and i think a lot of political commentators don't talk about this enough there is a bit of a third round anyway in France. And on June 12th, there will be the parliamentary election. Any president who gets elected needs to build a parliamentary majority. How important is it for any candidate, and maybe it could be Marine Le Pen, to have a strong political party to actually build a majority in government? Because if they don't, if a president does not get a parliamentary majority, you have the cohabitation, which France has had a few times, I, I, I believe, under, under Jacques Chirac, there was a cohabitation, for instance. So um, how, how important is this local presence for political parties to, to strengthen a majority in a parliament so you can actually pass legislation? In the case of if, if Marine Le Pen is elected? For, for instance, yes. I mean, but also Emmanuel Macron could, if he did not perform as well he might for instance not have enough seats in the parliament or diminish his majority it's important for both sides to have uh, to have a parliamentary majority and how much is that about being present locally because it's not just the name macron or le pen that will get you seats in in parliament i, I will not say it's uh, about being present uh, locally because uh, in in 2017 uh, macron party was really new and uh, we were not really present locally, but um, we had enough uh, attractivity to attract leaders and uh, to present candidates everywhere. But um, I don't think uh, Marine Le Pen uh, could present uh, enough candidates. So she she will need to to rule with uh, another party. Either she, she could maybe have a coalition with the, the right wing, at least a, a part of it, because uh, maybe half of the party uh, won't agree to, to, to make an alliance with her, but uh, she, she, she could do that. Or um, if all the central parties, uh, like maybe the Socialist Party, uh, Macron Party, and, and a, a part of the, the, the right wing 
uh, would make a coalition, uh, we, we could have a cohabitation. Yeah, that is indeed uh, indeed something that will that we will find out within the next uh, months or so. Um, Sasha Benamou, I had one more question before I have to let you go. Um, so internationally, everybody is very interested in this result, and for our international listeners, do you think that? the fact that a candidate such as Marine Le Pen is so fairly close to potentially could, in, could become president of France, is that a bad image? Is this election, um, from a marketing perspective, a bad look for France? <laughs> Interesting question, because uh, I, I know some, um, some CEOs who, who told me that uh, it will be uh, a, a problem for for them, and uh, they are they are scary uh, about this uh, this election. Uh, but for now, if you look at the market uh, in 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 French market, is not so so worried. So I I I, I don't know uh, all the the how the the market will um, will go, but. Um, I know for sure that it, it will be a problem for our image in the, in the international scene uh, because she, I, I don't think Marine Le Pen, because of the values, uh, she could be appreciated by uh, a lot of uh, international leaders. I mean, maybe some years ago we, we could think that uh, she would make a new alliance with uh, Russia and Putin but uh, now she is, it, it will be a, a great problem for her she, she has no ally no friends in in the world i mean uh, the only friends she she, she has uh, are uh, Putin and uh, in and Orban and that concludes this week's episode of Consumer. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow Sasha Benamou on Twitter at SashaBenamou underscore, which you can also find in the description of this episode. And of course, follow the Consumer Choice Center as well at Consumer Choice C. As always, I'm your host, Bill Words. See you Thursday. You have to learn.